Oh, good evening, everybody. I am Ian Kay, and tonight we're going to be talking about the Great Reset, as we normally do on Thursday. Um, I have a special guest with me. Uh, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Ian? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. We have the um, Davos, which was allegedly canceled this year, uh, but they decided to do it remotely. And um, shortages. This is something I've been wanting to talk about. Uh, we, we talked about it kind of off and on, but it, it's getting pretty bad. And I want to make sure I do a, another stream or video about it, just kind of making sure that people get prepared because um, things have been kind of nuts out there. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Alex, but um, whenever I go to the grocery store, I definitely notice things missing. It's not like it's, things have been like wiped clean like it was with the beginning of COVID, but there has definitely been times where I go there and I can't find something. I... I don't go to the grocery store and that's going to sound weird because, but it's because I, uh, I can't drive. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. So they, um, I have it delivered and I, almost every single time something is missing. Like I expect that. I was kind of surprised. I think it was like two months ago. One of my orders, I got everything. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's weird because I'm just used to the idea that I'm not going to get everything. And, um, uh, but I always buy like more meat than I actually need. (laughs) So I actually, what? Do you freeze it? Yes, I do. I freeze it. And I, um, so I always have meat from the last time and then I get more every time because I just don't, I don't want to run out. I like, and I've always shopped like this though. I've always shopped where I have, where what I'm replacing is not what I need, but mm-hmm. what, but my backup, I'm replacing my backups almost every time I go grocery shopping and I know not everyone grocery shops like that. And uh, right. honestly, I, I don't, I, to me, I don't get it. Cause I don't want to run out of things ever. I find it an in, in inconvenience and it's especially helpful if something happens Yep. and things have happened where I needed those things and I couldn't get them right then. And I learned my lesson. I learned that years ago. And I maybe not everyone has experienced that before and decided I don't want to experience it again, which I find a little silly. Like it, it sucks to not have the things you need. So mm-hmm. be prepared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember when I was younger, specifically when I was in my 20s, um, I was like, uh, oh, no big deal. You know, things, things are fine. No, nothing will ever go wrong. You know, you know society is good. That was, you know, obviously very naive and very dumb, um, especially around um, Y2K, because like uh, there was a lot of people, a friend of mine who who um, he has family in Arkansas and he was talking about he was visiting his family around that time. And he's talking about all oh, the hillbillies came out of the woodwork and went into Walmart and bought up everything <laughs> before Y2K, <laughs> which honestly, I mean, looking back, I was like, oh, that's dumb. I just bought my can of peanut butter and all was fine. But if something actually <laughs> did happen. I would have been, you would have been screwed. screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was in Kansas and we had a huge storm. It was insane. And all the, like, I lived in a small town and all the highways in the town were flooded and closed. And our water was not drinkable. Mm-hmm. And it was a really big deal. This was, this was like back in 2006 or something. It was, you know, I was pretty young at the time. You know, I, I was just starting out in my adulthood. And I realized, Man, I have to like we have to be prepared. Like yeah. if something because even just little things like that, no one helped us. So <laughs> it 
there wasn't there were no one came to our door and said we brought you water like that didn't yeah. happen mm -hmm. so <laughs> you know so like i was like yeah we have to be prepared for if we don't have water if we don't have electricity if we don't have uh if food runs short in stores like i we have to be prepared and as i've gotten older i've gotten more intense about it because of the fact that like oh i was diagnosed with a condition that made it hard for me to choose food like i can't just eat bread off the shelf i can't just eat anything anyone could give me so like i'm even more right. intense now than i used to be <laughs> yeah and um where i've really kind of started noticing it i mean this is years ago but uh, you know texas is very kind of prone to hurricanes and mm -hmm. um you know e even though i'm more inland it, it, we will never get hit by a hurricane but we'll definitely get hit by a massive storm and um i think it was back in 2017 i don't remember the name of the storm but it's the one that hit houston and i typically whenever I, there's like a hurricane I'll, I'll go stock up on some stuff but it was crazy because it was like the probably the first time i've really seen like the store get really hit hard mm -hmm. uh it has on occasion in the past when there was a big storm but nothing like where all the meat's gone stuff like that um and it's like, well, it's a good thing I have stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Tarty say, saying it was Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, that's right. And San Antonio was to be hit pretty hard by Harvey. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess you could say, unfortunately for Houston, fortunately for San Antonio, it stalled out over Houston and it hit Houston really hard. But it wasn't until last year where we got that massive snowstorm and it kind of overloaded the power grid all over Texas. yeah. That we we uh, we had our power out for four days, and you know again we were fine. Um, I didn't have a generator at the time. I, I have two now. <laughs> well, You're prepared I, I, now. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and I got lucky because um, it was like day. I guess you could say it was like day two or day one because it happened like that night. And uh, I I think it was either like Sunday or Monday. I, I went to. Uh, Lowe's and they had they still had inverters and I, I bought an inverter and I was able to power some things. Of course, I didn't have any gas on hand, so I had to go get gas. And it wasn't until Tuesday till I could actually get gas for the damn thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it was bad. I mean, because they had these rolling blackouts, and every time I'd go to a uh, a gas station that had gas, like as soon as I put the card in, I got started getting ready to pump, power went out. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> It That's was, um, frustrating. It was. It, it was crazy. So, I mean, that was like the first time I actually was in a prolonged power outage. But, you know, it wasn't for the fact that I had all this stuff on hand. You know, we, we were good. You know, my there's some people in my neighborhood that didn't have any kind of like camp stove or anything. that had to go over to our neighbor's place that had gas because the gas was still working, fortunately. Yeah. And they were able to go and, you know, cook stuff there. And, you know, my, I had a, a camp stove and my grill and... You know, pretty much, you know, we were set and we were just really cold, not knowing <laughs> that the um, my uh, furnace was actually gas powered and I could have actually run it off the inverter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of oh, things you wish you'd known. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was pretty funny. And we my neighbor. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say we have blackouts here in Phoenix during the monsoon season in mm -hmm. uh in the summertime and uh my area gets hit with the blackouts um as opposed to like the southeast valley which for some reason they're fine i don't know we're all on the same power um but <laughs> like 
I got hit and it was going to be out like all night. And uh, in Arizona, it, if it if your power goes out in the summertime, it doesn't matter if the sun's down, you're going to be baking in your home. And it, oh, yeah. m- my home felt like a freaking oven the whole night. And I was like, this is, and there was no, I had no fans. I like, I could open windows, but it's not any cooler outside. So I was, I was, I was real screwed that night. And, uh, I, I don't know what I could do to cool my home. Like, you know, it's like a, an opposite problem uh, to if, if the power goes out, like, because everything I have for that is electricity and there's no gas to my area. Like almost, mm. almost all the gas lines in Phoenix, they're trying to get rid of. Really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hmm. And it, it, it's, it's, kind of annoying like i get why they're doing it because for one thing when a fire breaks out in um some the sonoran desert it's kind of a big deal um right. it's very easy mm. for it to spread um and everything just f- goes up like you know t- tinder it's so fast so like i kind of get why they're trying to cut down on that kind of crap but at the same time i'm like we still have to have other ways of powering things or getting food or whatever mm-hmm. um but I, I i think the city is kind of complacent over the fact that we don't get besides the heat and some monsoons really really intense weather and i i i am like i i think you're being kind of uh naive about that mm-hmm. yeah and I, I guess it would be much worse when you live in an apartment or whatnot because you have no control over any kind of backup power. At least with me from my house during the summer, you know, I, I bought a generator, you know, a big generator that can run the entire house. And I actually had my electrical unit upgraded to where I could have a, you know, have a cutover installed. So if I ever lose power, you know, fire up the generator, you plug it in and we're pretty much good to go as long as we have gasoline. Yeah. But yeah, but when you have no control over it, that's where things get a little bit more difficult. And like, I guess you could actually, you know, use like a, a mini inverter and just run it and run an extension cord in like what we did last year. But it, yeah, still, I mean, yeah, I'm I don't not know. even. I'm not in an apartment. Like I have a yard and everything, mm-hmm. but I'm in a condo, so a condo. that's kind of like very similar to living in an apartment. But I could, like, I have a yard, which I've always found to be extremely helpful. Like. Here's the thing that it's like, I am in love with small kitchen appliances and for no good reason, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I also know how to cook over a campfire. If necessary, I can mm-hmm. do it. I, I can even make, you know, like rolls over a campfire. I know how to I, like take care of myself without, if I can just build a fire and I have the ability to build a fire at my condo if necessary. It's just the cooling part is the part that I'm like, that's where it's way more difficult. Yeah. 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 Well, the the other thing too that I found out, which I didn't realize, is that they basically make, you know, portable propane heaters that can run indoors. Now I know that they have the big ones that can go outside. Yeah. And it was funny because as soon as we had power, I ordered one. <laughs> it's like we're gonna have it just in case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's crazy. And um I'm trying to remember. Did I actually share the article? No, let me, let me pull it up real quick. I'm not going to read it, uh, but there's some stuff I, I want to highlight. And uh, let me go share that real quick. Bev. There we go. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess I can 
I guess she did share it. Never mind. Uh, I, I'm very used to running my own stream, so. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things I thought was really interesting about this article, because it talks about the whole thing with the consumer price index jumping 7% last year. And a lot of that had to do because of, you know, printing money and whatnot. And mm. it, it, it's scary because it, it, it's the worst it's been since 82. Which is, you know, that's, 82 was pretty bad. I have no experience of it. Like, I know. I was I, very young. <laughs> <laughs> I was not born yet. <laughs> um, but I, I know a lot of people have talked about it before. And what I noticed is that in 2020, um, you know, there was a lot of people going to food banks because they, they lost their jobs or whatever. They And grocery stores were also low on uh, food because of the fact that people were cleaning them out. And... Um, uh, I remember uh, talking to a friend who said that if he went to a food bank, they would probably give him a loaf of bread, mm -hmm. but he's a diabetic. And there's a lot, I think there's a lot of people out there. I mean, the, there's not actually a lot of people who can just eat whatever, you know, that, that that's actually not as common as people think it is. And uh, when it comes to getting help for these kinds of things, it's it, it's more difficult depending on your health. And right now, uh, going into a grocery store, I can't imagine what it would be like if you were on low income already. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's it's if you're on a fixed income or you're you're strapped for you know money or whatever, I could see that it's being it, it would be very difficult for you to get food right now. Uh, I know my grocery bill jumped up like two hundred dollars, um, and I <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like for people with like a large family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, oh, and that was the other thing. Like, it's not something people are talking about much. Although I hear like I, I have a lot of friends who have cats, and I've got cats. You've got cats. Mm -hmm. Have there was also the canned cat food problem. Like yeah, it's yeah. impossible to get canned cat food. And um very much that's so. the that's the other thing is like we still have to feed our pets if we've got them. So <laughs> we're so the supply chain issues, they're not they're they're affecting our food. Like we can't go to the grocery store and just get whatever we want like we normally could. Um and I I did see a photo of um an em mostly empty meat shelf except for the vegan meat, and I'm like I, I'm not, that means you're stocking too much of it. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> <honest with you. laughs> that means you don't have enough customers who want to eat that. Uh, if they're literally cleaning you out and they won't take your vegan meat. <laughs> yeah, it definitely that, says something. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and you, I think shortages are actually a really good time from a marketing perspective to understand what you should be stocking. Um, and, and I don't know that companies always take advantage of this new information because it's uh, it's the it's the system under stress. And it's like the system under stress tells you exactly what people want. So if this item is cleared out and that item is not, you're overstocking one item and understocking the other. And yep. uh, I don't think they they understand how like good that is for them to know. Uh because it's harder to tell when when people don't buy like this or 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 your supplies are just generally low overall uh just it's just harder to get that information yeah 
And, that, and that's the thing I, I find so funny is like, you know, things are getting bad when the mainstream media starts covering it because oh, typically yeah. they don't, they don't cover this stuff. They didn't talk about it last year that much, but they sure start talking about it. I would say probably over the last six months, mm-hmm. which is funny. Uh, back to the whole pet food section. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Whenever I walk down, you know, you know, to get cat litter and whatnot, all the canned uh, food for both dogs and cats is gone. It's only yeah. dry food. And even the dry food has been hit pretty hard. Even the cat litter has been hit really hard. Yeah. I had to change my supplier for uh, my cats and change um, what brand of cat food I got them. So, and I looked it up, I, w- I researched it. I was like, what is the actual problem? Because I will not feed my cats dry cat food. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I refuse, it's not good for their health. And so I found one that's packaged with plastic because what's the problem is the metal in the cans. They're having a hard time getting that. And I'm like, I don't know what's like, it's, it's something. Oh yeah, there's with, aluminum shortage. That's why. Yeah, exactly. So they're having a hard time getting the cans, not the food necessarily that goes into the cans, but it's the packaging. cans themselves. So I went to plastic packaging uh, food, which actually was a better um, health grade for my cats anyway. And uh, since then, and, and changing who I bought from too, uh, I've not had a problem. Uh, I've, I've, I solved it like six months ago and I've not had a problem since, but I still hear people talking about them having a problem getting canned cat food. So that's, I guess it's like, well, this might be your cat's favorite brand of cat food and maybe, uh, it's healthier. It's better that they eat <laughs> mm-hmm. at all. So well, this is interesting because, uh, Rockstar saying no fish food at my local Petco. That's interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I know. Like everyone's talking about their cats now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I typically. Um, it's funny because um, when it comes to cat food, I'm I'm set. I need more dog food. <laughs> oh, that's where you're having problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have um I have the cat food stuff for delivery, mm-hmm. and there we we. Stop going through it as much for some reason. Um, but the or actually, I think it's probably because I, I stocked up pretty well on it. But I need to get more dog food. That way we have like at least, you know, three bags on hand. But, you know, yeah. we have an auto deliver, which is fortunately been good. I haven't had, you know, missed any missed any of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's been it's been kind of crazy. And, you know, the, the main thing is making sure that. If you don't have at least a, you know, month supply of food, you should definitely do it now before things get really bad. Yeah. Buy what you can. Uh, I know for you, it's obviously a bit difficult because you uh, have to basically mainly eat like a meat diet. Yeah. Um, uh, meat and rice. I have I have a bag and a half of rice, like a giant big thing of rice. And I've got probably about, I'm going to say 30 pounds of meat right now. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm. See, that's the thing is that, like, wait, while I say I only shop once a month, I shop for like a month and a half, typically, right? Because I don't, I, I just, I, I, I hate the idea of running out, and I'm probably actually going to stock up again sooner rather than later again, <laughs> like uh, this month, um, because supply is bad, and I, I also, I, I need some things that I didn't know I needed until I went to um, 
I went to a doctor and he was like, you need to get all these things. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll just, so I was like, okay, I need to do another grocery delivery anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to kind of do that I, I, where I'd buy everything all at once and then, you know, just kind of live off that. But um, yeah, then I started going more kind of like to a weekly model and then more, I want to say to a daily model, but I would have stuff, but I would go to the grocery store and, you know, get more stuff. Um, well, yeah. Do you have a spare freezer? Different. Uh, I do not. I need to get one. But I, um, I think it's different for most people because most people can buy fruits and vegetables and eat that, whereas I cannot. Mm -hmm. So you would have to go to the grocery store more if you want those. Um, since I can't eat them, I don't, I, I don't have to worry about them going bad or whatever. Like, so... I get wanting fresh fruit and vegetables needing to go more often because mm. they don't have a long shelf life. They just don't No. So, I mean, back when I did eat them, uh, yeah, I went way more often just for that alone. That really makes things difficult because even if you want to get more kind of like self-reliant, you really couldn't do anything like a garden. As a, at best, maybe you could do chickens, but. Yeah, you do chickens. I can grow spinach and potatoes. That's about it. That's something. I mean, it's better yeah. than nothing. Yeah, it is. Uh, lots of vitamin C in that and potassium at the very least. Because <laughs> for me, you know, kind of like, you know, besides stocking up on stuff, phase two is actually growing your own stuff. Even if it's yes. just like the supplement, it's, it's a start. And gardening is freaking hard. <laughs> I don't care what people yeah. say. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here in Arizona, we have these all these specialty books about desert gardening and mm -hmm. everything. And I was going to do it. Like, I specifically bought this place so that I could garden because it had a yard. And, and then I found out that I couldn't eat most of the things I wanted to plant in the first place. I wanted a fig tree. I can't eat figs. And uh, so I was like, so I kind of like didn't do anything with it because I, because all of the stuff I wanted, I couldn't have anyway. So I just let it fall by the wayside, but I should probably move forward with at least potatoes uh, because yeah, they're, they're very healthy and they're not as hard to grow. So <laughs> I should definitely move forward on that. Oh yeah. I would suggest it. Yeah. I, I started growing um, potatoes this year. Uh, I think I got started a little too late with them. They were really mm -hmm. small. What, what I got was actually small. When, I, when I'm going to do with them, I'm going to plant them because they started sprouting because I couldn't eat them because they were like, you know, yay big. <laughs> yeah. But they make great seed potatoes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so at the ranch, I, um, I had a greenhouse delivered today. So um, I'm going to start getting that set up. Um, I'm going to continue gardening at the house as well. But I'm going to set up something a little bit larger at the ranch to see if um, I can kind of automate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, not necessarily have to keep an eye on it all the time. But one of the issues that's that's out there is there's a freaking locust problem. At least this year there was. So I'm, I'm curious to see how bad things are going to get with that. But if yeah. I ever think in a greenhouse, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe. Um, maybe. I know someone in my family is huge on gardening. He's had this this garden for decades now and it's huge it's almost as big as his house well i mean his fig tree is almost as big as his house it's so big and uh i know he's talked about locust problems uh not recently but like here in arizona there's this time in, sp in the spring where like 
there's a good chance that a locust swarm is just going to fly through the valley. So um, you, he doesn't cover anything though. All he does is um, uh, he's he used to be in pesticide. He used to have a pesticide company. He just uses pesticide, and I'm like, uh, all right, and it works. He never has a problem with them destroying his garden. Um, is he is, using like a natural you know, pesticide, or is he actually using a chemical? I think he uses natural. I think he knows how to use both, like okay. I, I, because he he got a certificate in pesticide and uh, some. And I know he well, a lot of the times he's he's like just do these few things and you'll not have a problem. And he's what he's talking about is not like really chemically intensive. So I think he can do either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I bought some stuff that was like natural. I think it was like kind of like pepper based. And I think I, I, I used neem oil. I don't think that worked out as well. But mm -hmm. um, maybe I, I didn't apply it enough. Maybe I should have done it like every other day or once a week or something like that. But I definitely had some issues with some bugs. The thing I seem to have the worst problem with, which is funny because like back in the day, I used to be able to not have any issues with like growing zucchini mm -hmm. and uh, cucumber. I haven't had any luck since I've moved. Mm. Uh, yeah, I tend to get like that kind of mildew, powdery mildew on the oh, on yeah, the leaves. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it ends up killing them. Tomatoes did very good. I bought, um, which pepper was it? Uh, Serrano. Serrano pepper. That thing kicked ass. I, I had way more peppers that I could deal with. I only had one plant. Yeah. <laughs> Tomatoes were good. Um, my bell peppers actually did pretty decent. I think I probably just need to feed a little bit more often. Um, the other mm -hmm. thing, too, I actually have, I, I have a, a drip system set up, which has been very useful. So... Uh, let's see. You want to go ahead and highlight that uh, last super chat for Alex? Yeah, so Alex, please share your favorite potato recipe. Namaste and hello. <laughs> Is it Joseph Massey, the poet? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, my favorite potato recipe, I like, I like potatoes in anything. Like potatoes for breakfast with eggs in them. Like as a casserole bake and cheese and with sausage on the bottom and then uh baked potatoes loaded with like real meat so like not like bacon bits but like chick roast chicken or um ground beef seat with taco seasoning kind of stuff like i i'm intense like i'll eat a potato any other any way you can i can get it i love french fries I can make those at home. I can make chips at home too, actually. And um, uh, fried potatoes, not like deep fried, but like sauteed on the stove with uh, like garlic, a uh, hint of garlic salt, because I can't actually have garlic and like parsley and oregano uh, and black pepper. I really, sometimes I just eat that. And then I used, I went through this period where I ate mashed potatoes for every meal and I had mashed cheddar cheese. Oh god, yeah. they're so good! And I had like cheddar cheese on it and everything. Um, yeah, I I love potatoes any way I can get them. <laughs> yeah, potatoes are good. I like them. <clears throat> Jay says if tomatoes like the soil, zucchinis won't. Um, that's interesting because um, I actually I'm I'm doing container gardening, so I actually have grow bags and I'm using that. So I'm kind of curious maybe 
maybe I need to do like a different soil mix or something. I don't know. But uh, I was doing like a um, like it was like a bag of like gardening soil. I'd mix it with peat moss and cow manure, and then I would kind of like once I season it with other uh, other stuff, <laughs> other fertilizer in it. Uh, typically like organic fertilizer or bone meal or something like that. I know that potatoes love bone meal. That's definitely a must. And by the way, you're making people hungry in the chat. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, folks, if you haven't gotten your 90-day supply of food, I would suggest doing that. And once things warm up again, look into maybe doing some gardening on your own. Uh, if you can pull up Toxic Man Flu's super chat real quick. There we go. Toxic man flu for $5. As a diabetic, uh, prepping foods is a uh, different challenge for me. Uh, any recommendations for long-term veggie storage? Um, yeah, I mean, other than like canning, that's probably your best bet. Um, and that's something I've, um, I haven't gotten into a whole, whole lot. During the during the uh, beginning of the, of the pandemic, I started doing some creating jam or it's like creating, making jam and canning it. And um, I had some some success with that. I think my raspberry turned out pretty good, but the um, strawberry jam was a bit on the runny side. <laughs> and it's been a year, so I'm kind of curious to see if that stuff's still good. I mean, it should be. It should be, right? Um, so we'll see. I also I did um, some pickles, too. I do actually suggest that if you like... If you are a diabetic or you have kind of uh, problems with food intolerances and allergies and the like, getting some of the basic ingredients to things um, like gelatin or yeast or, you know, just a, some of those things, just a big amount of it because they're, they can be pantry safe and that way you're not relying on processed foods. You can do it yourself if you need to. So like I have a giant thing of gelatin in my house. I have a giant, I have like, I don't know, like right now, like 40 packs of yeast and uh, I don't know, like 10, 10 bags of my specialty flour. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I make sure that anything that I need, like in that regard, I have like a case of essentially at any given time. I mean, I, I live in a small house and it's mostly filled with food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of it I can't eat. It's for other people, but <laughs> a big chunk no, of it is just me. <laughs> that's good. Now, mm -hmm. Ruben brings up uh, uh, freeze drying, which I know that they sell, uh, I want to say recreational, but basically they're not commercial, or maybe they are commercial, but you're able to go and buy it. But they're like, you're looking at a grand, at a grand for good freeze dryer. Or no, actually, I'm sorry. That's a dehydrator, not a freeze dryer. Um, no, it's freeze dry. Yeah, there we go. Dehydrating is different. So like, I'm totally getting it backwards right now. Yeah, yeah. You could pay like about a grand for like a machine that does freeze drying, and it, it's pretty neat because I know um, some of the prepping channels I watch. Uh, one of the guy, uh, City Prepping, uh, he he has one. I think it's like in his garage, and he'll he'll go through and like do like whole breasts of chicken and whatnot, and then vacuum seal it. So yeah. Dehydrating is something you could do too, but it, it, it's obviously not going to preserve things as long as when you freeze dry. But that's something you might be able to get into. 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can, I think I can have dehydrated banana chips, but I can't have bananas. It's like really weird. Like when, like the chemical process of something that will make it inedible or make it mm -hmm. edible to me. I'm yeah, like, I weird. don't completely understand it. <laughs> well, it, it's probably killing something that you can't digest. Yeah, like usually it's something, well, because these are sugars that I can't digest. So sometimes the process is eating the sugar. Mm -hmm. Like I can have sourdough bread, but I can't have regular bread. Like, so I I, I, I buy, there's a, a San Francisco bread company that sells bread across the country and they use actual sourdough starter bread. And I buy their bread and I, I put it in the refrigerator because if I don't, it would go bad. <laughs> like, yeah so fast <laughs> yeah i um that was like again another thing i was messing around with uh during the pandemic uh was making my own sourdough bread and i never it's like i, I think i got it to actually taste sour like once <laughs> but i actually made several loaves of bread off that starter uh but i ended up killing it so oh <laughs> yeah i want to try again <laughs> i i wanted to try and i was like i'm reading about it and i'm like god this is so intense I'm it like, I, I was like, I could just make my potato rice bread a lot easier and avoid gluten that way, as opposed to trying to make this sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, this is too intense for me. And like every once in a while, I'll, I'll get on a kick where I'm like, I haven't had something I love in years. So I will spend four hours making it. And uh, it's not great but it does tide me over for quite a while like i made cinnamon rolls i made gyoza stuff like that it's but it's annoying i'd rather just be able to buy it if i'm being perfectly honest <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's a lot more convenient right it's easy <laughs> but um one of the issues with easy is not having the skills that you may need to um yeah you know, deal when there's when there's shortages and allergies like if you can't go to the store and buy bread. Well, there's this novel idea of going and making it yourself. <laughs> and I can, like, I, like, I feel okay. Like I have the skills. I can do any of those things. Mm. It's just, it, it's, I, I think it's laziness and time crunch. I don't know. Oh, it do is. It. Absolutely. Yeah. It's on my side too. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us are like, we're too busy for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. Although at um, least learn how to do it once. Yeah, you should at least try it once. Um, yeah, it's kind of the same way. I need to get back to brewing again. I made a, a batch of mead, and it's—I haven't had any. It's just sitting in bottles right now. <laughs> I'd like to learn how to do that. That one—I—I I, never even like really considered it. But I'm a big beer fan, so maybe I should probably learn how to do it. <laughs> brewing beer is a lot of fun. I suggest doing it outside because it will stink your house up. Yeah. Do you use hoppy? Do you make a hoppy beer or I know you said you um, make mead. I, uh, the one, the one I actually tried was like a, was a bootleg recipe that that was actually from my family and it was made from molasses. Ooh. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it tasted a lot like Guinness. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was pretty damn good. Um, let me see if this video will stop buffering here. So there is some stuff with the Great Reset I want to talk about. Um, let me full-size this and share it. Uh, which came out of um, some stuff that was going on with Davos because they did it remote this year. 
Initially, I heard that they canceled it, but apparently they decided to continue on. And uh, this is Klaus Schwab talking about, uh, or I, I guess you could say, I'm going to say he's talking about, he's introducing Xi Jinping, which I find so funny. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. Let's take a look. At this the moment, I see several priorities for the global agenda. We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. We must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. I find that so funny considering the lockdowns is what killed the economy. <laughs> Yeah, the economy was doing okay. <laughs> that was doing fantastic, and then the lockdowns came and kind of screwed yeah. everything up. <laughs> Which I, I I find kind of funny. I don't know. I mean, when when it comes to, I don't like talking about the coup on YouTube because you know how they get a little ban happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some commentary I'd like to say, but I'm not going to because, well, you know, YouTube. You gotta censor yourself. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Yeah. We must preserve biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions, and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor. Which is funny, considering it widened last year. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't get better. It got worse. No, it got way worse. <laughs> I mean, the, the, all the big tele, uh, tech oligarchs made a lot of money last year which i like find so insane funny. oh mm. my god insane amounts and then a lot of people in politics made money with shares off of that stuff yeah nancy pelosi stock picks <laughs> yeah if you um if you want to learn i want to say learn to make money uh, but apparently if you follow nancy pelosi and her stock picks closely you can probably make some money yeah um, yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, overall, the, the other thing too, which I thought was pretty funny, is what was he mean by deploying biodiversity? I know it's kind yeah. Of weird. Well, so here's my problem: is that like a lot of this stuff, they talk, they want to move to plant agriculture only, which actually lessens biodiversity mm -hmm. than having both meat and plant agriculture. You actually limit the amount of wildlife in the area when you switch to plants because you have to kill them to protect your plants. So, uh, which you, you don't have, you don't kill the same animals when you do animal farming. And in fact, some animal farming is relatively free of animal death from the wildlife because mm -hmm. say, for example, dairy farms there, a lot of them are don't involve grazing. So all their cows are protected within a barn mm -hmm. that you don't have to worry about you know, predators coming for them at that point. So I, I always find it really silly that they, they, they want to say biodiversity is a good thing, but I know that if they push for plants that they're limiting biodiversity. And in fact, well, they're also going to be pushing for bugs too, eating. Yeah. Bugs. <laughs> but I have my other agricultural problems with that, but when it comes to the plant farming and um, biodiversity, you're also actually hurting plant life biodiversity. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. For one thing, in areas that are kind of water starved, you're, mm -hmm. you're taking water from the plants that are wild. And then, um, which you probably shouldn't be farming 
much in that area anyway, uh, unless you're bringing in water out from other places. Right. And then uh, when it comes to bug farming, I don't when it <laughs> I don't believe that uh, it's going to be a good idea to scale that up for mass consumption mm -hmm. because for one thing we do not know what that will do uh with waste and we don't know what that will do with uh germ life and um i don't i don't think we want to necessarily invite problems as opposed to fix the problems we already know exist because uh when it comes to like animal farming we have been uh, technologically advancing on that front mm -hmm. to lower our um, our waste from it. We've been we go oh this is too wasteful. What can we do to fix that? And well, you know what the, they're also complaining about with meat farming, right? It, it's what? not just the amount of biomass that they consume and water they consume, but they're saying that that the you know, methane from from cow farts are basically contributing to the you know global warming. <laughs> well, a According to some dairy farmers that I've uh, paid attention to, they say that um, dairy farming, at the very least, will be carbon. Uh, what is they call it? The carbon footprint will be even. Essentially, that they, they won't uh, by zero like zero or at, at zero by like twenty fifty two. I think they said that they'll be able to get it done. And I'm like, well, it, see, that's my thing. It's like we need to solve the problems we already know exist by with technology we don't we don't need to switch tactics entirely like switch entirely what we eat that doesn't make any sense to me uh it's sort of like well we're, we're just going to go to another planet as opposed to fix the problems we know exist i just mm -hmm. don't i don't want to understand why you would invite potential problems you don't know anything about versus fixing the problems you already know exist <laughs> well for, for me uh I, I think it's a good idea to you know, for just making sure that our species survives, getting off the planet is probably a good idea. Just, you never know. Rogue asteroid, yeah. comet, something, game over. Yeah, those things, yeah. Yeah, th yeah, those things. All right, let's get back to this. To achieve more sustainable global development. You know what? I, I, I find so funny because they always talk about sustainability. And um, it, it's funny because a lot of people I know that tend to be I want to say more on the conservative side, but tend to be more into say sustainability, like growing your own food. Growing your own food, you think would be a good thing, right? That you think that would be something that they suggest because that's sustainable. You would think, right? Being responsible <laughs> for your own food, but, uh, but it's, no, I, <laughs> it's counter to uh, their quest for control, though. Because if you have control over what you consume, yeah. they don't. Pretty much. With this goals in mind, it is my distinct honor and great privilege to introduce His Excellency Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China. His Excellency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so excellent. Yeah, but no, I mean, that that is like... Um, isn't that typically like a term reserved for royalty? Uh, yes. Uh, usually for an emperor. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Mm, makes you wonder. <laughs> to open 
see Davos at Chendab. That's this. Anyway, that, that's basically it. So they're they're having Xi Jinping opening up for the Davos thing, which I I thought was interesting, um, considering China is a terrible place. Yeah. Yeah, they got a great history with um, feeding people. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have a great history with uh, human rights too. Yeah. Yeah, especially recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the whole uh, the whole thing with the uh, Uyghur Muslims and whatnot, but apparently that's something nobody cares about. Yeah, well, I mean, reason. during I think it was I can't remember if it was during the town hall or during the campaign. Biden was going on what you actually use cultural relativism as a defense. Yeah, and did. like, oh god, it just pissed me off so much. Like, I don't I don't know how. It's like okay, you're cheeky. Let's hear some cultural relativism from the '30s to stay out of World War II. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it is there are some very interesting parallels between what's going on with China currently and what happened in Germany in the 1930s and 40s. So, yep, yeah, a lot. <laughs> All right, uh, I have another thing shared. If you don't mind pulling that up, Beverly. There we go. So this is Bill Gates and some guy who I don't know. Some guy. <laughs> and who are we really going to make it from? The f- oh, seriously, oh. it's going to buffer on me. <laughs> All right, let me let me try. Try again. We're really going to make it from a fossil based uh, uh, fuel society. Okay, so this is basically kind of talking about the advancement of technology and moving away from fossil fuels. So, which um, it's probably not necessarily a bad thing, you know, but I don't think electric cars are the answer. But anyway, I don't either. Into a renewable society. Where do you see the new real breakthroughs? What and and how are we going to make sure that uh, we set the price? Uh, on uh, the externalities? How do we internalize the externalities that uh, we are currently um, uh, seeing uh, in in the global energy mix? Well, the rich countries uh, have to play a central role, both funding R&D and uh, having policies, in some cases, uh, carbon taxes will be used. Okay, again, we're talking about forceful compliance, right? Because mm-hmm. the only way that they're going to force you to do something is if they make you do it by uh, something like a carbon tax. Like, for example, uh, can you imagine having a carbon tax for your car? I know that you don't drive, but this no. is more kind of towards the audience, whatnot, and myself. Uh, unless you go with a more renewable resource, like a, um, I don't want to say a hybrid, but probably electrical car. Uh, which is is terrible, by the way, which is a very bad idea because part of the issue with that is that there was an incident, I guess it happened either, it was like 2020 or 2019, where basically they were telling Californians not to charge their electric cars because it was going to over overload the power grid. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is not going to make things better. It's going to make things worse. Well, for one thing, uh, the batteries are not good enough yet. Um, like I have no problem with uh, with the technology advancing, with people trying to push it um, uh, when it comes to R and D and everything. I have a problem with implementing it when it's not ready mm-hmm. and forcing its implement implementation upon the people. Like you cannot 
uh, you can't force the technology on people that's not ready. And electric vehicles are not ready for mass use. I uh, like they they want their they're putting the cart before the horse essentially, and uh, it's like wait until we get there. We're not there yet. Like and and even if you want to, maybe that's the we, point though. Maybe <laughs> maybe they don't want us driving at all. And um, well, I think they're wanting to limit people's range because that's that's kind of the problem with that uh, that per mile tax that they want to implement that they're yeah piloting. We all know what a pilot leads to something like an implementation, you know, at large scale. But yes, they according according to the fact checkers, they are piloting this. But why would they pilot it if they didn't want to implement it? Just saying. Yeah. Well, and Uh, here's the thing too is that I was talking to someone who's quite a progressive, actually, about the mileage tax, or you know, that they were talking about, and I said to her. Imagine you live in a crappy neighborhood um, mm-hmm. and you work in service. Your service position is in a really nice neighborhood that's 30 minutes away. And your buses don't go from your neighborhood to their neighborhood. You have to take a car. Yep. Is that good for people, you know, below the poverty line? <laughs> And it's like those are the, I mean those are some of the people who are going to be hit by this. Small businesses are going to be hit by this. Mm-hmm. And um and those are people just trying to, you know, really uh some of them are just starting out, you know, and someone trying to get out from underneath uh, you know, their loans or their uh uh their crappy dead end job. It's like this is this is a this is a thing that would limit people's upward mobility as well as their actual mobility. Yeah. And this is something interesting that easy edits bring in. It says there isn't enough recycle. Um, yeah. Recycled rare earth metals uh, to make enough batteries to, to supply the entire world. Um, yeah. I mean, that's obviously an issue too, but I think the, the end goal is to limit people's mobility. You know, I mean, if you can't go more than 30 miles from your house, then, you know, you can't, you're not going to leave the state. You're not going to, um, you know, travel the state for that matter. I, I think the goal is to make sure that you stay within your community, and that's it. And, and you have to be relying on the government and large corporations, because ultimately, what they want to do is they want to have everything delivered by drone. I mean, this is all part of the. If you looked into the whole thing, what the world looks like in 2030. By the way, which they've, um, I think they've realized that they've been accelerating things too much because they've changed the plan from 2030 to 2050 <laughs> yeah they figured out oh wait a minute it's too fast people are Oops. catching on <laughs> yeah what i love is that they keep saying it's 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 just a conspiracy theory you know they're and i'm like we never said it was secretive we never said that they were lying to us they are not they're being very blatant about the changes they want to make it's just we don't trust their intention, their motivation behind it. And it, so mm-hmm. it's like, it's not a secret. <laughs> no, no, it's it not. Mean? But the, <laughs> whenever they fact check stuff, they, they fact check really obscure things. Because yes. they, they, they're saying, oh, the coup was engineered, you know, to, to, you know, to cause the Great Reset. It's like, no, 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 no. Obviously, people are taking advantage of things. That's yeah. the issue. Never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah, never let a good crisis go to waste, which is kind of the theme of the world we live in these days. Yep. 
Beth Q. Plop, uh judges uh, comment. Thank you. It says in Louisiana, if we have an unusually cold winter that causes crawfish shortage, the whole state has a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Crawfish is delicious. <laughs> yeah, crawfish is delicious. <laughs> uh, to drive the demand uh, for these clean products. And only by doing that in an aggressive way will the economic costs uh, be brought down enough that we can turn to all the middle-income countries uh, and say, okay, you know, change your whole cement uh, industry. Change. So after we force the um, Western world or the larger mm -hmm. you know, countries, we'll, we'll, we'll switch and say, to the rest of the world, you're going to have to do it too. As he said, I think he said force cement companies. Uh, industry, change your whole steel industry uh, and cement, uh, change your whole cement uh, industry, change your whole steel industry. Uh, and yet, you know, it's not holding you back uh, from, uh, you know, your uh, economic growth. Uh, the number of companies working on these things is very exciting. Um, and some of them will fail. A lot of them will fail. Uh, the majority of them will fail. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we only need uh, a, a reasonable number, a few dozen of them, uh, to make it through. And that's what we have to accelerate. Yeah. It's all about acceleration, right? Whatever this plan may be. Well, there's so much about forcing things and everything. And all I can think is that is like your social constructivism is not like any kind of Thing where you're trying to think about human beings as biopower, where you're trying to push things on a social constructivist level. I'm like, you're going to, first of all, you can't do that for, because people don't work that way. You're mm -hmm. not always going to, there's always going to be a segment of any population who's going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Like it's just going to happen. Yeah. And then on top of that, people are not that predictable. They're not that you can't shape them. They're not malleable clay. Uh, th this idea is just, it's BS. It's been around for more than a hundred years and it's, mm -hmm. and it's continuously been BS the whole time. And the more data we have about people, the more obvious that is. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, so the more funny. data you have on people, the more you can figure out how to manipulate them though. Yeah, that's what they think. Although they want, they want data to tell them what they already believe. So well, I, I, I think they have because uh, Facebook, uh, I, this is something I know that Tim Pool was talking about. They did an experiment uh, where they were basically manipulating people on Facebook. They're using Facebook to do this and they have data on it, which is kind of like, scary. I think you can get knee jerk reactions, but I don't think you can get long term reactions. I don't think you can get long term social change. Um, yeah, but that kind of manipulation. I, I think in the case of uh, maybe like an election, all you need is a short term reaction. Yeah, that's kind of a problem uh, because people don't uh, think for the future, as we talked last time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really bad future planners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oop, wrong thing. Um, <laughs> one more topic I want to cover before we get out of here. Um, so this is something that I saw today, which scares the hell out of me. And by the way, Reclaim the Net is an awesome website. If you guys have not checked it out, I suggest 
getting a subscription with them and giving them money because what they're doing is God's work, um, <laughs> which is basically covering all the things that are, are going on that are violating our privacy and basically kind of are, are helping push us ever so slightly to the Great Reset. Um, but this is something that's going on where the IRS is going to force facial recognition scans on users starting this summer. And what they're doing is they're using a third-party group where you have to go and sign on and take a picture. And it, the idea behind it is that what they're saying, it's like, you know, I want to say ID matching, but basically where they go and verify <laughs> that, yes, it's you submitting the stuff online. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been doing my taxes online for quite some time and um, never had a problem with it. I don't understand why they need to have a picture of me to be so I can go and submit my taxes. They don't. They, they it's don't. Like, yeah, they don't. They don't actually need it. I've I've been doing my taxes online for years. It's not been an issue. Uh, I well, I mean, because I, I told you earlier, but the audience didn't hear this, that Arizona does not have um, paper filing, so we have to do it online. And yeah, it's not it's not a big deal. And there's never been an issue with fraud. Um, and it's like, if you have a problem with fraud, this is not how you solve it. That's the no. lie you're telling everyone. Uh, no, it's, about, it's about collecting data at this point because oh, you know, yeah. biometrics is, is like a huge thing. And of course, there's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to share it with everybody. Wink, wink. That's what they always say. Okay. One of the scariest things I thought in this article was the idea that um, even if you deleted your account with the third party. Keep it for seven uh, years. They would have still have your data for seven years. That is absolutely and, frightening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a big problem with this kind of stuff lately with a lot of the problem with a lot of things going fully online is or uh, fully uh, personless, essentially, with no human contact is that you can't tell someone, I don't want this. Like you can't renegotiate terms. And uh, so they get to say, we're going to keep your data for seven years. And it's like, can I call you and tell you to throw it away? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, can I revoke your right to have it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, BS mentioned something about Facebook already doing this. Uh, I stopped using Facebook. I don't have a Facebook account anymore. So I wouldn't know, but I'm pretty sure they already have my data from when I had it. But a lot mm -hmm. of these companies, a lot of these big companies are basically, they're collecting data on us. And again, you know, to if you feed this stuff into machine learning, you, you know, you could basically detect a pattern for somebody. And I'm not sure what the end state is besides having your biometrics, having, you know, what you look like. Uh, and this is the company that's doing it. It's called ID.me. Go figure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand why you need to have any kind of photo ID to have your taxes done. And I think this is strictly being done just filing online if that's the case i'm just going to file through the mail <laughs> if this is actually that required i mean this is such a huge privacy concern and yes. you know as one of the mottos go you know by 2030 you'll have uh you'll own nothing and again this is funny whenever they talk about oh it's a conspiracy theory uh, the, the, the you know the great reset's not here to take away your stuff it, you know it's not here to take away your privacy it's like, come on, it's they have a freaking article on their website talking about this, about not having privacy. They made a commercial. 
Yes, they did. <laughs> it plays in with that article, but they, they mm-hmm. I mean, but they, they buried that stuff. I mean, they, they went and renamed the article, which is, I find so funny because initially it was called, uh, in, in 2030, you'll have no privacy. You'll, you'll own nothing, have no privacy. And you'll never be happier. They renamed it to what 2030 could look like. <laughs> And it's like, uh huh. Um, yeah, it, it became more of a question than a statement of fact. You know, it was kind of funny. I so I I know about all that and uh, the, the whole pod living idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, recently, I was wa- I was getting ready to watch a video on YouTube, and I got a commercial. And I usually skip commercials, but this time I didn't uh, because two reasons. One, it was a kitchen appliance. And as I said earlier, I kind of have a weird obsession with kitchen appliances. And what it was is it's a it's a countertop cook device that also is a refrigerator. So you can put your food in it and it's got two different areas that do different things mm-hmm. cooking wise. You put your food in it, it'll refrigerate it. And then you'll set it for, I want my food ready at like 6 p.m. So then you would go to work, come home, 6 p.m., the food's ready, you just eat it. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and and I'm going, this would be perfect for pod living. It Like you just put like five in a counter in one of these units that people live in and like you take turns on this stupid thing because it's harder, it, it's it's easier than having an oven and a, and a stove. And I was, and so like at the same time as me going, hmm, that looks nice because of my weird obsession. And the the other part of me was absolutely horrified on yeah. what this could be used for. And it made me think of like going to um, going to a laundromat, and you know, like you, or living in a dorm. How you like? Oh, and you have to do your laundry, so you go to the right. laundry room and like, oh, you left for a little bit. Someone threw out your your clothes. And took your your washer and it made me think well you, know, you come home from work and someone threw out your food and they made their food instead and i was like ah god if i end up living in a pod and they go alex this is where you're gonna live now you're gonna have to share these weird k- kitchen devices and everything and, and I, your clothing I, too don't forget and my clothing, clothing too i'd be like uh do i have roof access no okay i'll go find the bridge and <laughs> i'll see you guys all in an, in the next life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm uh, yeah not a fan of this but yeah so currently uh users only require a username and password to log into the irs account yeah okay that that makes sense right maybe yeah. do some two-factor authentication you should be good after that um but yeah anything it, it, more <laughs> yeah Anything after that? Yeah, but starting summer 2022, users will need to verify their identity through a third-party identity verification company called IDME. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so they actually took some screenshots here. Uh, sign in with IDME. Wow. Not doing that. No. Not doing that whatsoever. I don't actually, do you file on the IRS website? Because I don't. Um, I, I think we were doing like TurboTax before we started using the CPA. Mm, okay. And I would say oh, last time, maybe we did it online. Yeah. Yeah. The first step in creating an account with IDME, which requires uploading a primary identification document, such as a driver's license or a passport. Yeah. And then you have to basically take a picture of yourself. 
Then a user is asked to take a live uh, selfie video using their smartphone's camera or computer webcam. Uh, the company compares the selfie with the image on your identification document. Again, that sounds like such a bad idea. If the, ver if the verification process fails or is flagged for some reason, the user will be asked to join a recorded video call with the representative from ID.me. Doesn't that just sound like a bureaucratic nightmare? Yeah. And I also, I don't know why. I didn't think about this when I was reading this earlier, but when you were just reading it, I was like, I was thinking about the fact that there are so many trolls out there that I can imagine some people sending, like taking a picture of something that someone might not want to see and sending it to the IRS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to skip that. It really isn't relevant. So apparently this company started in 2010. Yeah, during the pandemic, about 27 state governments used IDME to verify the identities of those seeking unemployment and other benefits to avoid losing money to identity thieves. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can tell you when it, when it comes to working for a company that did a lot of business online and this is like back in the early aughts mid aughts late aughts i would say there there is definitely an issue with identity theft um, but we actually had processes to go and verify a lot of it was manual and i suppose this would be easier but shit, man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna send them this information because the other because there's other stuff they want too after submitting the selfie the system asks to confirm your phone number to complete the whole process, you will also have to submit two secondary identification documents, which include a birth certificate, which is always a bad idea, your social security card, which is also always a bad idea, your W-2 uh, form, or a blank statement, oh, excuse me, bank statement, or electrical bill. Yeah. Bank statement, also a bad idea. Electrical bill is typically kind of common. Like a utility yeah. bill, but still. Some kind of utility not, bill, yeah. I'm not cool with this. Yeah. No. Yeah. ID uh, ID.me requires users to submit a gold mine of personal identifying uh, data and biometric data. In a white paper, the company insists <laughs> there is a difference between facial recognition and its face match system. Yeah, so the basic what the face match system is basically when you go through TSA and they take your ID and look at you, look at the ID, make sure it's you. That's basically what they're saying. Where um, facial, uh, I think, recognition, or maybe it's the other way around. Either way, which way? What they're trying to do is match up your ID to your face, like they do in like with the TSA. Then there's the stuff where they go and search for people's faces in a crowd, and that's the stuff that they could potentially use this for, but they're saying they're not going to use it for. But they, they're they saying that they're not using it for face facial recognition software, but that doesn't, but they said that they're going to possibly give this data to other people, give it to law enforcement. That means that they could use the photos Bingo. for facial recognition. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing too, and, and this has been going on for a while, my mother made a comment to me because when, when I was a kid, she had me fingerprinted. And it, 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 the idea, again, is the if for whatever reason you're kidnapped, you're lost, you know, that's how they identify you. Whether, you know, 
if they find you alive, they can match your fingerprints and you know, return you back to your family. If you know they find a body, fingerprints, and you know they can at least have somebody identify the body. The issue with this it means you're in the system, which means that if for whatever reason you're connected to a crime, either accidentally or or you are committing the crime, your prints are already in the system, and it makes it finding you that much more easier. Yeah. So. Well, and then also fingerprints, it turns out, are not actually unique. Um, there was a case where a guy was identified in, um, he was in the system because, I, I can't remember, for a job, I think. He was an American. And um, it was for a case in Europe. He got identified uh, by his fingerprints as the bomber, and he's never been to Europe. And oh, it was crazy. like... It was crazy. So it's like they've actually been kind of debunked as being unique. You can't even like say that they're 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it says here face uh, match is the equivalent of basically checking the ID against your face and facial recognition is picking you out of the crowd. So that's the difference. But yeah, uh, here's the thing that you were talking about at the very end here, which is they will go and keep your data for 1.75 years after you delete your account. That is a long freaking time. Yeah. Yeah. It's frightening, folks. Like I said, um, reclaimthenet.org. If um, you haven't checked that site out, I highly recommend you check it out at least on a weekly basis, if not on a daily basis, and um, you know, get you a paid get account. You can get a newsletter to your email address too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of um, really insightful articles. Um, but that's pretty much all I got for tonight. Uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, I, I feel like we covered a lot, but it, it was pretty good information. <laughs> yep. All right, Bev, roll those credits and we'll catch you next time, folks. Thanks for spending your time with us today. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. So go check it out. And please consider supporting the Unsafe Space team by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. Please download this updated list of contagious individuals. Use the hashtag GetBoosted to receive two complimentary Liberty Pellets. Mass formation psychosis is just a right-wing talking point. Please purge it from memory and resume your programming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance.
science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.